Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. We're starting to see how different countries are dealing with the outbreak of COVID-19 and the varying degrees of success in controlling its spread. But that means some places have had to be stricter on their citizens, while others seem to be allowed their freedom despite rising infection numbers. I've never heard London so quiet. It was really bizarre, like there was no planes going overhead, there was no kind of mad rush of cars or kids on the street. Today, we're going to check in on friends in the UK, Spain and Hong Kong to find out what life is like on the other side of the world as we deal with coronavirus fallout. The COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic is now worldwide. Countries that seem to have escaped the virus spread, like India and those in Africa, are now starting to report cases. And for some areas of the globe, like Europe, COVID-19 is impacting them hard. Here in Australia, there's confusion. Do we lock down and get this thing stopped in its tracks, handing over full control to our government in the faith that they'll do the right thing by our economy and help us back on our feet once it's over? Or do we stick to our way of life and ride this thing out, knowing that some of us will catch it and some of our more vulnerable people will lose their lives. We are a few weeks behind some of the Asian and European countries, countries that are dealing with it very differently. Some locked down early, like in Wuhan, where the virus originated. They are now starting to record days in a row of no new infections. South Korea's coronavirus curve is much flatter, and they have the lowest casualty rates in the world due to them rapidly developing their own test and then testing as many people as they could to isolate them and halt the virus spread. In Italy, the results haven't been good. They took longer to lock down and have now surpassed China in both the number of infections and the number of deaths from the COVID-19 coronavirus. Other European countries are also experiencing a sharp rise in infections. So what is it really like overseas right now? First up, we're heading to Spain to check in with actress Maria Albignana. She's currently locked down with her Australian partner and both of their mothers. So what does your day look like in lockdown? (laughs) Well, it's pretty standard. It's basically being home as we all are. I'm an actress and I'm a dancer too. So I thought that one of the ways that I could help people or my family and friends was to uh, record Uh, little workout videos, very fun, easy, you know, just for everybody. Now, I know you had to call off your wedding in amongst all of this pandemic crisis. Was that a tough choice Mm -hmm. to make or did you just know it it just had to be done? I I think it was tough because of uh, we had a lot of people from overseas, basically, and that was tough. Before we went into lockdown, we thought a lot about should we do it or should should we not? And there was a part of us that went like, well, we shouldn't, to be totally honest. But, you know, like cancelling a wedding is <laughs> massive in a way. And uh, just before we went into lockdown, we sat down and we decided that we had to cancel for the benefit of all of us. And you cannot imagine how many people called me. I just get emotional because it was really beautiful to have all these calls of people 
saying thank you because they were like, I was I was going to go to your wedding no matter what because we love you guys. But I really didn't want it to, <laughs> to come because it's very scary what's going on right now. So we just thought that for the safety of everybody that we loved, it was better not to do it. And then four hours later, we went into complete lockdown. So even if we wanted to get married, we wouldn't have been able to. Do you think Spaniards are feeling optimistic at this stage about the future or are we still a bit too much in the trenches right now? That's a tough question. I don't know. I think it's good to keep ourselves optimistic in a way because if not, you know, quarantine is already pretty hard. Staying home is very hard and um, and there's going to be tough moments, but we just have to hold strong. That's how it is. And no, I don't think anyone knows how this is going to develop or what's going to happen next. I think it's a big question to the whole world. What would you say to those people who aren't taking this seriously? Oof, what I would tell that people I can't say <laughs> publicly because um, it makes me angry. My partner, he's Australian and he can't believe what's going on there. It just, It makes me sad because people just forget that it's not, you know, because people, we all do it. And, and I did it too at one point, you know, it was happening in China. And I went, oh, you know, but it's in China. You know, it's never going to get here. You know, it only happens there. It does. And, and, it, and it is happening. So it's going to get to everybody. And um, if we've seen that in China, it happened. And then now Italy just went crazy again. You know, it's just like, you're seeing it. Why aren't you taking measures? Why aren't you doing anything? Why aren't you making your population be aware of this? Like, this is something very serious. Let's head to London now, where BBC radio producer Lotta Haig is just recovering from a nasty sickness, which she's unsure whether it's coronavirus or not. She's checked in with health services, but due to the number of people needing their help, not everyone is being tested. Lotta, when all this first started in the UK, do you think people took it seriously, or has it taken time for people to really understand what they need to do to combat this? When it first started, there was a much more heightened sense of fear. But I think as the reality has kicked in now... People go, right, I might not die, but then somebody near me might die. And so it's sort of been this slow process into sort of social distancing, which has taken some time. I think there has been a sense of panic buying here, but I think the English in a way are also quite sensible. The, I went down to the supermarkets today because I'm allowed out of the house again. I've been in um, isolation for nine days. You are allowed out after seven, I think it is, after your first symptoms start. Meat's becoming a little bit short on the shelves. But I found toilet paper and I found household paper and that was just at Tesco. So, And there was this sense in the store that people respected space. You know, like people, you'd say, excuse me, and people would say, yes, no problem. And they would really get out of your way for you. And people understood that, that we need to get out of the way. When I got sick, because I, I don't know if I've had coronavirus or not, but I've been quite sick. You know, I went into self-isolation on Thursday, the week before last. That was when it was all just really starting to kick off in the UK. So trying to sort of not read too much into coronavirus while I was sick because I'm alone. So I didn't want to be isolated alone and reading this sort of sense of doom. So I steered as much clear away from it as, as much as possible. And I had people that delivered to me and checked in on me every single day. And so there was this real sort of lovely sense of warmth and community and 
great friendships and they weren't coming to the house, but they were coming and dropping food bags outside my door. And it was just, it was really lovely. There's this sort of sense that people are starting to get a sense of what it is now. I mean, the school's closed on Friday and I think last night, it was last night, the bars, clubs and gyms closed and pubs. So I think people just think now, okay, this, this is it. I went and saw a friend today. I stood out on the street and just I just wanted to see her and she sort of stood in her front garden and we chatted and we were at a distance and she said, it is bizarre that I can't invite you in for a cup of tea. And I'm like, well, it's just the times, isn't it? And it's what we'll do. I've never heard London so quiet. It was really bizarre. Like there was no planes going overhead. There was no kind of mad rush of cars or kids on the street or it was just really quiet. And it was the first time it reminded me of Australia in a way because I thought it can get this quiet in a major city in Australia at times. You know, on a Sunday on a really quiet day, you can get that quiet suburbia. And I felt that for the first time, which I had never really felt in London before. You never really get away from the bustle. So there is a sense that the city has got it, but I still think this city will go into lockdown. I mean, maybe everybody will just get it, but the Prime Minister has said today that if people don't get it or understand it, there's a risk that we'll go into a lockdown. And and my work has sort of sent me paperwork that said you are officially now, when you come back to work, somebody that is considered to be an essential worker. So that felt like Cold War era as well. Like if we go into lockdown as a country and if I have to travel to and from work, I need to carry my work pass. Plus I also need to carry my paperwork that says I'm allowed to be out here. Finally, let's head to Hong Kong, which has just experienced a spike in cases with expats rushing to get home amidst the virus chaos. Anthea Murray is an Aussie who's been living over there for the past few years with her husband and small child. Anthea, how's Hong Kong tackling this issue? Uh, It's been interesting. It's sort of come in two waves. So initially in late January, when word first came out of China and Hong Kong kind of went on to lockdown, And they cancelled all the classes, civil servants were ordered to work from home, which the government set as a precedent to get everyone else to work from home. And we went a little bit through what Australia and the rest of the world is going through now. You know, people were panicked buying toilet paper and that sort of thing. And then it kind of stabilised through late February and March and life kind of returned back to normal. Not quite, but now it's gone back again. The stress levels are actually, I think, in some ways higher than they were back in January, February, the number of cases has shot up and people returning from abroad is making everyone very, very worried because that seems to be what the biggest spike in cases is. We haven't seen any panic buying or anything like that, but I feel like the anxiety is more heightened than it has been. So how come you guys didn't decide to head back to Australia? What kept you put in Hong Kong? It's a combination of factors, really. So we both work And there does seem to be a little bit of a divide between those people that can work from home or don't work. So there's that. Also, my husband's British, so picking where to go is always a little bit of flipping a coin. And then there's just the practical factors. My mum lives in a one-bedroom apartment, you know, having sold the family home many years ago. So if we do go back, do we have to pay rent for somewhere in Sydney as well as paying, obviously, eye-wateringly high rent here in Hong Kong? And then what do we do with our son once he's there? Do we try and enrol him somewhere? We're still paying school fees here. What would we be swapping it for? You know, here he's got his friends, he's got his toys. We've got places that we can still go. And I think even going to the beach every day would eventually start to become boring for him. So it just made more sense for a variety of reasons for us to stay here. 
Well, now that you have mentioned your son, what is life in lockdown like with a toddler? Pretty brutal. (laughs) His school has been amazing. They've been sending sort of like daily classes and activities that he can do. Back in February, we started a little play date with the groups that were remaining here and the mum that day who was hosting would, you know, set up the activities and everything else. But the activity only goes for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. You know, the one I did with the group on Friday was in the capillary effect with celery. So you put water and dye into a glass jar and then put the celery in. And after the kids had done that, you know, three minutes in, they were all looking at me bored again. <laughs> bored again. It's like, okay, what do, we, what do we do now? And they're all quite restless. You notice that they're just sort of, they're out of their routine. And there's a restless energy to them where they just, I think they miss the discipline of having a routine. What are people in Hong Kong most concerned about right now? Are we, I mean, are they worried about the economy like they are here in Australia? Are they worried about getting access to food and essentials like we are here? Is it a similar vibe? Our concerns, I think, are different to those, though there is concern about the economy. But the main concern at the moment is people returning from abroad. You hear of a lot of people that have basically been told, oh, good, you're back. Don't come and see me. The government has this program where you arrive at the airport and you have a wristband, like a hospital wristband put on your wrist, but it's got a tracker in it and they register it to your address. And if you leave that address, you'll be arrested. People are really concerned that the virus is coming back. Of the 58 new cases the other day, 50 of them were people returning from abroad. And there's a feeling that... Because Hong Kong has had very low statistics and as as draconian as the government's measures might have initially looked, you know, shutting schools, shutting work and everything else, they worked because Hong Kong had something like 124 cases and four deaths, which obviously in a really built up population, which lives very close together, that's remarkable. But now that people are returning from abroad, it feels more scattershot and a little bit more out of control. Wherever you are in the world right now, we're all dealing with the same issues. The best thing we can do is look out for those around us. Something that Lotta over in London says has been the most heartwarming thing about all this, making sure your mates are taken care of. We thought that technology would isolate us, but in actual fact, it's having the opposite impact. The thing that I'm doing is just taking so much more care. Every morning that I'm in isolation now, I take the time to text the people that I've committed to texting, and it's usually women on their own in London. We trust each other, and I said, listen, I just want your data birth. I want your name. I want your doctor's phone number. If some cases, if some people feel comfortable giving me their their NHS number, that's fine. Because I said, if you do go above a 38 or a 38.5, or you're not, you're going to look at your phone and not want to ring triple one. That's it for The Quickie today. Thanks to our producer, Melanie Tate, and audio producer, Jacob Brown from Round Sound Music for working from their kitchens and bedrooms. If there's a new story you want us to follow up, you can shoot us an email, thequickie at mamamia.com.au. And thanks to everyone who started sending us their coronavirus questions. We are creating a list for our next instalment of your COVID-19 queries, so keep them coming. <laughs> 